Welcome to the Overcomer Podcast, the podcast that takes you inside the Word of God and reminds you that if you're in Christ, you are an overcomer. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So just sit back, relax, grab your Bible, and join me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Overcomer Podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be getting controversial. We're going to be covering a controversial subject. I hope you'll stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Overcomer Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Gilbreth. I hope and pray that you've all had a great week this week. I trust that you have. And I hope and pray that you and your families are doing well. And uh, we're in the third episode of the Overcomer podcast already. It's hard to believe that we're on episode three. Um, We've spent the last couple of weeks talking about trials and tribulations. We've talked a lot about pain and suffering. We talked about troubles, trials, tribulation. We talked about Job and his suffering. We talked about how Job handled his uh, situation. We talked about his relationship with God. And how he held on to his integrity. And then last week we talked about uh, endurance. We talked about Hebrews chapter 12. About run the race with patience. Run the race with endurance. We talked about what the Bible says about enduring through uh, the race of life. And how that applies to your situation. But then today I want to take this in another direction. Um, The subject of heresy. The subject of false teachers. Uh, if you pay attention to Christian social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the different outlets, all the different platforms, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of discussion right now about false teachers. And uh, I see quite a few uh, all the time uh, that constantly making headlines uh, with their uh, heresy, with their false doctrine. I want to talk about that in today's episode. We're going to talk about false teachers. We're going to talk about false prophets and false doctrine and all the things that go with that. I want to address that subject today because it's very important. It's something that needs to be addressed. They need to be called out. Uh, I may or may not uh, name some names, and uh, I hope that you'll just bear with me. I hope that you'll listen to this podcast. I hope that you'll listen to this episode with an open heart, with an open mind, and with an open Bible because I want to show you and I want to warn you from Scripture about what the Bible says about false teachers. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're not to be trusted. They're not to be heeded. And even though they may look and sound, and uh, they may sound good, they may sound right, they may even say a few things that are true. But we have to be careful. We have to have discernment because these men are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're taking advantage of God's people. And I want to address that subject in today's episode. We, we may carry this over into next week's episode. I don't know yet, but I hope that you'll listen. I hope that you'll uh, give heed to the warnings that's found in Scripture. And so without any further ado, let's dive into our devotional for today. Okay, today's Daily Bread devotional comes from 1 John chapter 3. 
So if you have your Bible at home, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 16 through 18. 1 John chapter 3, 16 through 18. And the Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In this, the first of John's three letters, he sets out three distinctive characteristics of Christianity. One is the historical truth of Jesus' life, which is 1 John 1, verses 1 through 3. John makes much of the fact that he and others personally witnessed the earthly existence and the miracles of Jesus. The second is the call and motivation to live in the righteousness Jesus gives us in 1 John 1, 6 through chapter 2, verse 2. The third characteristic, love, is what John develops beginning in chapter 2, verse 3 and continuing into today's reading. This love is the love for the Father and isn't for the world or the things in it. When this love compels us, we can't help but love each other in the way referenced in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Such a love will be a shining witness to the world that doesn't yet know his love. Relentless Love Heidi and Jeff came home from an overseas work assignment in a hot climate and settled for several months near, uh, near family in the state of Michigan, just in time for winter. This would be the first time many of their 10 children had seen the natural beauty of snow. But winter weather in Michigan requires a lot of warm outerwear, including co coats, mittens, and boots. For a large family, it would be quite an expensive undertaking just to outfit them for the bitterly cold months ahead. But God provided. First, a neighbor brought over footwear, then snow pants, then hats and gloves. Then, a friend urged others at her church to collect a variety of warm clothes in all 12 sizes for each member of the family. By the time the snow arrived, the family had exactly what they needed. One of the ways we serve God is by serving those in need. 1 John 3, 16-18 encourages us to help others from the abundance of our own possessions. Serving, serving helps us to be more like Jesus as we begin to love and see people as he does. God often uses his children to fulfill the needs and to answer prayers. And as we serve others, our own hearts are encouraged as we encourage those we serve. As a result, our own faith will grow as God equips us for service in new ways. As you notice the numerous needs of people around you, how can you show God's love in a practical way? How does serving God help your faith to grow? Father, fill my heart with a willingness to help when I see a need. Help me to give joyfully and serve you with gratitude. And that was today's reading from Our Daily Bread. And now it's time for the teaching of the Word of God. Oh, 
Okay, if you have your Bibles at home, I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. And when you find your place in 2 Peter 2, I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 7. And you can put a bookmark there. You can put your finger there. But we're going to be going back to Matthew 7 in just a few minutes. But I want to begin by reading 2 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first nine verses. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And this is the Apostle Peter writing in 2 Peter. He wrote two epistles, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And according to some, depending on what you believe, he is the one who dictated the gospel of Mark to Mark. But I just wanted to throw that little fact in there. But Second Peter chapter 2, I want to begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should after live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. That is Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And I've had the subject of false prophets and false teachers on my mind a lot within these last few days. I see a lot of stuff, like I already said at the outset of this episode. I've, I've seen a lot of talk about false teachers, false prophets, and uh, some of you may be wondering, well, is that relevant for today? I got news for you. It's very much relevant in the day in which we live. If you turn on, if you go on YouTube and watch all the videos, I mean, you can see it. False teachers are prevalent. It's everywhere. You turn on religious television and it's crawling with false teachers and false prophets. You say, well, why would you make a, a statement like that? Why would you say that religious networks are crawling with false teachers? I'll tell you why. Because the vast majority of them, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to work our way through these verses, but we're going to see how much of 
the teaching that's going on, it's all based on gaining personal wealth. You very seldomly will hear, and I want you to hear this, you will very seldomly hear a true man of God get on religious television and preach the true gospel. They will not mention sin. They will not mean the cross may get a passing mention, but even then they distort what the meaning of the cross is. Very seldomly will you hear that mankind is sinful. Very seldomly will you hear that Jesus Christ became our sin when he hung on the cross, that he died for sin, that he died to rescue us from the wrath of his father. He died for our sin. He died to save us from our sin. But they'll, you'll hear them get up and say, well, Christ died so that we could have better self-esteem. Christ died so that we could have healing from our diseases. Well, Christ died uh, so that we could be uh, wealthy and have money. I got news for you. Christ died for one reason, and the scriptures make it very plain. He died for one reason. And that one reason is that we were dead in sin. Matthew one twenty one. He shall save his people from their sins. His very name, Jesus, his name means Jehovah saves. Jehovah is salvation. Simeon held up the baby Jesus when he was eight days old in the temple. And he said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He died to save us from sin. He didn't die so that we could be wealthy. And I, whoever may hear this may hear this episode, you may disagree with me. But listen, he died for one reason, and that was to save us from sin. But you see, most of the religious networks, they won't preach that. And th this lesson is not meant to be a rant. And we're going to dive into this text, but I want you to hear me out. Much of the preaching and teaching that's prevalent today, it's all about, it's everything but the gospel. It's about the law of attraction. It's about positive thinking. It's about being positive and having a good attitude and feeling good about yourself and uh, being wealthy, having wealth and all this stuff and six steps to a better you. And it's about anything and everything but the truth. And you say, well, why, why would you label these men and women false teachers and false preachers? I'll tell you why. Because they're not preaching the true gospel. They are not preaching the truth. They're not telling you the truth. I want you to look with me in 2 Peter 2 verse 1. He opens it up by saying, but there were false prophets. Now, in order to understand, and it really helps if you read things in the context, you have to read the verses before it. You have to read the verses after it. You have to understand that when the Bible was written, there were no chapter and verse divisions. When Peter wrote his epistle of 2 Peter, and we call it 2 Peter because it's the second epistle written by Peter. But when Peter wrote this epistle, there, there were no chapter and verse divisions. So you have to understand where this verse is in the context of 2 Peter. 
the the opening of Second Peter chapter two, he says, "But there were false prophets." Well, if you don't have the the last part of chapter one, then this is not going to make sense. He opens it up by saying, "But," in other words, that this is connecting. It's kind of like see, it's kind of like the word therefore. So I want us to go back into chapter one. And I want us to see what, what Peter is talking about. In Second Peter chapter 1, and these are the verses that are preceding the verse that we just read. I want to pick it up in Second uh, Peter 1 and verse number 19. I want you to listen to this. And I hope that you've got your Bible open because I want you to see this. I want you to see it for yourself. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But there were false prophets also among the people. Do you see it? Peter is talking about, about I would have to say, middle of chapter 1. He starts telling them about the Mount of Transfiguration. He says in verse number, uh, verse number 14, he says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Peter is getting ready to die. And Peter is wanting his audience to have a rock-solid foundation. He's writing to the church. And he's saying, look, I want you to have a rock-solid foundation. I am about to die. I am about to pass away. You got to understand, Peter was one of the twelve. Peter walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He walked with him, talked with him, saw the miracles, heard him preach. Peter even done some miracles. Peter knew the Lord Jesus Christ, on a very personal level. And he's saying, look, I'm about to pass off the scene. And I want to leave this with you. I do not want this to get lost. I want to pass this on to you. He says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. He's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. He's talking about that place that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on top of the mountain and they saw him transfigured. They saw the form of his countenance change. It shone. His deity shone. The veil of his humanity was pulled back. 
and his deity shone and they saw it. They saw his glory. It left, a, it left an impression on him. And he's saying, look, we want you to know that we're not following something we've made up. This is not something that we all conspired together to, we didn't conjure this up. We didn't make this stuff up. We want you to know that this is a rock solid foundation. And then he goes on to say, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed is unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. He's talking about the Old Testament prophets. He's saying, look, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Isaiah didn't make it up. Jeremiah didn't make it up. Haggai, all of the Old Testament prophets, none of those men made this up. They were speaking as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We're told in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is the breath of God. Now you say, well, why are you telling us all this stuff? Because it very much relates to what we're talking about here in chapter 2. Because in order to understand the false, you've got to look at the real. The way to differentiate between a counterfeit dollar bill is to know what a real one looks like. You're not going to know what a counterfeit looks like if you haven't seen the real. And you see, Peter is doing that here. He's saying, look, you know the real. You've seen the real. We've shown you the real. You know the real thing. But there were false prophets among the people back in the Old Testament. Israel was plagued with them. False shepherds, false prophets, people that were claiming to speak for God, but they weren't speaking for God. God said, they're not speaking for me. They're, they're not for me, and I'm not for them. They claim to speak for me, but they don't speak for me. There were false prophets among the people back then. And Peter is saying, look, even as there shall be false teachers among you, just like there were false prophets in Old Testament times, these people that perform these false wonders, these people that claim to, uh, to care for the, the flock, these people that claim to uh, care for Israel, but their God was their own belly. And we're going to see that shortly. But their God was their belly. They didn't care about the flock. They didn't care about Israel. All they cared about was feeding their own self. They didn't care about feeding the flock. All they cared about was lining their own pockets pretty much. And you see, that is prevalent today. And I'm going to name drop here in just a second. But that is prevalent today. Give me your money. Buy me a private jet. Sow your financial seed. It's prevalent today. And these men are, they're mooching off the poor. They're taking advantage of these poor people. And you say, well, you sound animated. You sound angry. Because I am, it makes me angry that these men are claiming to speak for God. And all they're doing is putting God to an open shame. There's been people walk away from Christianity. There's been people renounce the faith 
because of this very thing. It's sickening. Kenneth Copeland, do research, look him up. That man puts God to an open shame. That man is a walking blasphemer. He blasphemes the name of God. He blasphemes communion. There was a video that has went viral of Kenneth Copeland on his program or at one of their conventions of making an open mockery of communion. And research all this stuff for yourself. And you say, well, why are you getting so worked up about it? Because it, it's, it's wrong. It's blasphemy. He's a false prophet. He's a false teacher. He claims to speak for God, but he's not speaking for God. You say, well, how do you know he's not speaking for God? Because everything he does contradicts the scriptures. It's ridiculous. And there's people falling for it by the millions. There were false prophets also among the people even as there should be false teachers among you. There is an absolute standard. And you see, this is where so-called progressive Christianity gets it wrong because they want to deny the fact, and I do believe the, the doctrine of sola scriptura, I do believe scripture alone is the authority. If you don't have scripture as your authority, then what do you have? You're going to go off the rails. You're going to fall for anything and everything. And you see, these men, they go against the scriptures. There has to be an absolute standard. In order to understand the, the fake, you've got to know the real. In order to know what is a lie, you've got to know the truth. Listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 37 and 38. And I encourage you, write these down. 1 Corinthians 14, 37 and 38. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Listen to what Paul said. I'm going to read this again. He said, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. What's Paul saying? If any man considers himself to be a prophet or considers himself to be spiritual, he must acknowledge the authority of Scripture. He must acknowledge the things that Paul wrote, the things that the, the scriptural authors wrote. They are the commandments of the Lord. They are the sole authority, sola scriptura. And if you deviate from the scripture, if you claim extra biblical revelation, and it totally contradicts what's already been written down in scripture, that man is a false prophet. I asked you to hold your place in Matthew chapter 7. And I want to go back there right now. Matthew chapter 7. And I want you to listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 7 in verse 15. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. 
You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. What are their fruits? Their actions, their preaching, their doctrine, everything that they produce in their life. It is open to be judged. Now you say, wait a minute, Matthew 7, don't Matthew 7, 1 say, judge not that you be not judged? Let me tell you something. Matthew 7 is not a command to not judge. Matthew 7 is a command to not judge hypocritically. If you've got sin in your life and you judge somebody else's sin before you clean up your own backyard, so to speak, then that's a sin. That's what Matthew 7 is condemning. It doesn't mean that you can't judge. It doesn't mean that I can't look at someone's fruit. It doesn't mean that I can't look at an apple tree and see the apples hanging from that apple tree and say, you know what? That's an apple tree. Because the fruit that it produces, I know that an apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. Because of the fruit that it's producing, I know what kind of tree that is by the fruit that it bears. I know what a false teacher is. I know what a false prophet is by the fruit that they bear. And if their life, if their action, it's no coincidence that all these big time names get caught up in scandals. It's no coincidence that all these false teachers are in the headlines all the time for sexual immorality. And 2 Peter 2 actually addresses that. It's no coincidence these men are getting caught up in scandal. Why? Because they're bearing the fruit of who they are. I can look at a man's teaching and hold it up next to the word of God. And if that teaching does not line up, then you know what? I can judge that man as a false teacher. And I'll say this much, and I will say this. I'm not saying that a preacher can't get it wrong. I'm not saying that every now and again, preachers who are orthodox can't say something wrong every now and again because it happens. But what I'm saying is this. A false teacher and a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's the difference. They're not about, there's no call of God on their life. And there is no real genuine fruit. There's no evidence in their lives. They may look good. And Jesus even said in Matthew seven fifteen, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're raving in wolves. They're going to look like the real deal. They're going to sound like the real deal. They're going to look good. They're going to sound good. But you know what? On the inside, they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. 2 Corinthians 11. This is the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15. He says, and no marvel. He's talking about these false brethren that are giving him trouble. And no marvel, for Satan himself 
is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as unto, as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Paul is saying, look, they come to you. Jesus said they come to you as wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul said, you know what? These false teachers are dressed up as ministers of light. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And no marvel, his ministers said it's no great thing if his ministers, Satan's ministers, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. They're very clever. They're very good at what they do. Make no mistake about it. They're very good at what they do. They can look good. They can sound good. They can look the part. I'm talking they can really can be convincing. But you've got to examine their fruit. You say, well, what about their fruit? What about their actions? I want you to go turn back with me to our text in 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2. And I'll go ahead and I, I, I want to, as an aside, I want to throw this in here. I'm recording outside and it's raining. So you may hear rain in the background. If you do, just, just overlook that. We've seen the false prophets, but the second thing I want us to see is false practice. These men are guilty of malpractice. Verse 1 who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What do these men do? They privately shall bring in damnable heresy. Now what does that phrase, damnable heresy, mean? That word damnable means destroying or utter destruction. They're bringing in something that causes complete and utter destruction and ruin. Damnable. Destruction. That word heresy, it's like the act of, it's a war terminology. The act of capturing. The act of taking capture. It's a group of people. It can also mean this. It's a group of people that follow after their own ideas. It's like when false doctrine creeps into a church, you'll have this little section over here that believes that false doctrine, and it creates a divide within the church. I've seen this happen in some churches in the past. They let a little leaven get in. They let a little false doctrine get in. And then you've got, this group over here that believes the false teacher. And you got this group over here that wants to hold to the truth. And it causes a divide. You've got, you've got a sect. You've got a party. You got this group over here, this group over here. That's what a heresy is. And it causes complete and utter destruction. It's the act of seizing, the act of taking capture. And I, I got news for you. It's like a Trojan horse. No false teacher is ever going to get up and say, hey, I'm a false teacher. He's not going to have a big neon sign that says, hey, I'm, I'm false. I'm fake. 
He's going to look the part. He's going to talk the part. He's going to be very convincing, and he's going to have a following after a while. Galatians 2, verse 4. And that because the false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. They creep in privately. They sneak in unaware, as the Bible says. They, they creep in secretly. They creep in unawares. You're not aware of what's going on until, it's, until it happens. They're very clever. They're very crafty. They're very sneaky. They're not just going to jump up and say, here I am. That's why God's people have to have discernment. I want you to listen to Acts chapter 20. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. Acts chapter 20, verse 26. This is Paul's final farewell to the Ephesians. And listen to what he says. He says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. He's warning them. He says, look, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole gospel. I have preached unto you the whole counsel of God. I've told you the truth. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul knew. He said, look, for the space of three years, I preached you the truth. I warned you for three solid years. I warned you. When I leave of your own selves, they're not going to come from the outside. They're going to creep up from the inside. And they're going to be grievous wolves. They're going to come in and they're not going to spare the flock. They're going to speak perverse things which they have no business speaking. And they're going to draw away a following after them. That's what they do. They don't care about the flock. They don't care about the truth. They care about popularity. They care about having a following. They care about bringing attention to themselves. That's exactly what these men do. They will creep in secretly and cause chaos, utter havoc. The next thing they will do is they will deny the Lord that bought them. He said in verse number one, who probably shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. I want you to listen to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2, verses 22 and 23. Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. 
And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, we're told to test the spirits, try the spirits, see if they're of God. He said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Even now it's on the religious channels. They deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the doctrine of Christ. Second John Verses 7 through 11, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Now you say, what does all of that mean? What's all that saying? If they bring to you any doctrine, and people say, well, I don't know about all that theology stuff. We don't, we don't harp on theology. We don't, we don't harp on doctrine. Hey, I got news for you. You better harp on doctrine. You better harp on theology. And you don't have to have a, 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 a four-year seminary degree to know theology and know doctrine. Let me tell you something. There's resources out there. There's books out there. There's resources out there. Feed yourself. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. Because these false teachers and these false prophets that are prevalent today, they are good at what they do. Paul, Paul cared about it so much that he warned them day and night with tears. He warned them day and night with tears. He cried over it. He wept over it because he knew that false teachers were going to creep up in the Ephesian church. And not just in the Ephesian church, but it's in the church today. You better have a solid foundation or you will fall prey to false doctrine. Know what you believe. Know the truth. The doctrine of Christ. What is the doctrine of Christ? Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And if any other, if any other sect, if they deny that fact, there are certain ones that have a false view of Christ. There's the Mormon religion believes him to be the half-brother of Lucifer. The Jehovah's Witness deny the Trinity. They deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe he was Michael the Archangel. They don't believe Jesus was God. There's certain New Age outfits that believe Jesus was a God. The Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, but he wasn't God. There's all kinds of different ideas, different beliefs on who Jesus is. Got news for you. If anybody denies the deity of Christ, and this, this episode may get me in trouble, 
But you know what? The truth is worth defending. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is supreme God. He is the ruler of this universe. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. What in the world are we about to celebrate at Christmas time? In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, believed on in the world, preached unto the Gentiles, and received up into glory. That is the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. That's the doctrine of Christ. And if anyone denies that, if they deny the doctrine of Christ, then you know what? They're not of God. They're an Antichrist. Oh, but there's many different ways to God. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am this crowd that says Jesus never claimed to be God, I beg to differ. He claimed to be God many different times. He said before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said before Abraham was, I am. He's claiming to be the great I am, Jehovah God of the Old Testament. He said, I and my father are one. That is the doctrine of Christ. You better know what you believe. And these false teachers, they try to deny the deity of Christ, this word of faith business. You say, well, what do you mean by that? They try to say that Jesus was merely a man. They say, well, Jesus was God, but he laid aside his godhood. And when he walked upon this earth and did his miracles, he wasn't doing it as God. He was doing it as man. I got news for you. That's heresy. It ain't true. Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus said, I am. He couldn't have made that statement if he wasn't God. You better be careful what, who you follow. You better be careful what you believe. Doctrine matters. Theology matters. There's a lot of people that frown on it because they're too lazy to study it for themselves. And yeah, that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. I'm sick to death of people saying, well, doctrine doesn't matter. Theology doesn't matter. <laughs> it does matter. What kind of foundation do you have if you don't have doctrine, if you don't have theology? What is your doctrine? What motivates you? You're worshiping a God you don't even know anything about. If you don't have doctrine in theology, you're worshiping a God you don't know. You better know what you believe. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many shall follow. That stuck out to me when I studied this. Many shall follow. You know what? When the Lord Jesus Christ walked this earth, when he walked this earth, multitudes followed him. When, when he done the miracles and preached unto them, healed the sick, they followed him in droves. 
But when it came time for the rubber to meet the road, when he was hanging on that cross, those multitudes were nowhere to be found. The only ones that were left was John and the women, and that was it. You say, well, why do you say that? Because if you stand for the truth, if you preach hard truth, you're not going to have a following. This podcast right here, I got news for you. I'm, I'm giving you my word right now. This podcast, I will not preach to you anything that I can't back up with scripture. I will not give you my opinion. I will give you the text. I will give you the scripture. I will read the text. And I will do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to expound what is in these scriptures. I will read the text. I will do my best to explain the text. I will not give you anything that cannot be backed up with scripture. And because of that, I don't expect this podcast to blow up. I don't expect this podcast to get to get hundreds of views. My last episode only got six plays. My last episode from last Friday about being patient in tribulation, it only got six plays. My debut episode got 19 plays. Those are very low numbers. There's podcasts that are in the thousands. I got news for you. I don't expect this podcast to, uh, to blow up and have thousands of views. I may never get a blue check mark on social media. And you know what? All of that's fine. That doesn't bother me. You say, well, why is that? Because I'm going to preach hard truth. I'm going to preach the truth. And you know what? There's a lot of people that don't like it, and there's a lot of people that don't want to hear it. But you know what? It's the truth. And I may lose some of you. You may not want to listen to me ever again after this. But you know what? Truth matters. Doctrine matters. We say, oh, he, 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 he talked about sola scriptura. That must mean he's a Calvinist. I'm not going to listen to him again. Call me what you want to. Call me what you want to. But you know what? I'm going to preach the scriptures. I'm going to stand on the truth. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. They're popular. False preachers are popular. How do, you, how do you explain Joel Osteen's church? He has the largest evangelical church in the United States, or last time I checked, he did. Why is it that the religious networks, they all follow this prosperity theology, this false doctrine, and people by the millions are watching. They've got many following after them. Because the Bible said, many shall follow their pernicious ways. They're going to have a large following. That word pernicious, it's another word for destruction. It's funny to me how Peter keeps using these Greek words to describe these false prophets. And they all basically mean destruction. It's destruction, destruction, destruction. It's a warning. You may not be wrapped up in false teaching right now, but God has given us a warning in his word. These men will lead you down the wrong path. They will lead you to destruction. Damnable heresies, destruction. They shall bring upon themselves swift 
destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. Destruction. In Matthew 7, if you go back to Matthew 7, he said in verses uh, 15 through 20, he talks about the false doctrine, the false teachers. But if you back up a few verses before that, Jesus says, Jesus says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I want to read that again. He said, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leadeth to what? That leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. You could also you could also render it this way. Many will follow their destructive ways. Many will follow them on the road to destruction. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. This is probably the biggest tragedy out of all of it. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That phrase evil spoken of is the Greek word for blasphemy. There's many people that are going to blaspheme. The way of truth will be blasphemed because of these false teachers. They're going to look at the real and then judge us by the standard of the false prophet. They're going to look at me, people that don't people that don't know any better. They're going to look at people like me that 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 do our best to preach the truth. And they're going to look at me no different than they look at Kenneth Copeland. They're going to look at me no different than they look at Todd White or Benny Hinn or any of these or Joel Osteen or any of these other false prophets. They're going to look at me the very same way they look at them. And you know what? That's a tragedy. The way of truth will be evil spoken of. It will be blasphemed. The truth will be mocked. True biblical Christianity will be mocked because of these men. Oh, but it gets worse. Verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. I want you to listen to this. With feigned words. That word feigned, it means to, to be molded or fabricated. They're going to fabricate doctrine. They're going to fabricate false doctrine. And they're going to push it on the people in order to make merchandise of them. And that phrase, make merchandise of you, it's a, it's a, it's a merchandise term. It's a business term it, to, commit, to have a business transaction, to buy, sell, or trade. They are going to make merchandise of you. And I found this when I studied this. It's where it, it, the Greek word for make merchandise of you is where we get the word empire from. They're going to build their own empires. Now, how about that? They're going to build their own empires by making merchandise of people, by fabricated doctrine. Man, this verse could have been written today. December the 3rd of 2020, or December the 4th is when this episode will be released. December the 4th, 2020. 
This verse could have been written today because these men have vast empires because they've made merchandise of people. They've made money off of people because of their fabricated false fake doctrine. Listen to Romans 16, 17, and 18. Oh, Paul had a lot to say. Not just Peter, but Paul. He said, now I beseech you, brethren. And that word beseech is a strong term. I am urging you. I am begging and pleading with you, brethren. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine. There's that word doctrine again. You think doctrine matters? Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Avoid, oh, but you shouldn't judge these men. Got every right to judge those men. Avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, boy, their lips will drip honey. They that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Their God is their belly. Their own appetites, their own desire. That's what they're living for. Good words and fair speeches. Feigned words. Oh, they're going to sound so good. I want you to listen to this in Isaiah. I posted these scriptures on Facebook. Because, man, it these, these scriptures will pierce. Isaiah 56, verses 10 through 12. I want you to listen to this. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. You think I'm being harsh? Listen to Isaiah. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his gain. From his quarter. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Man, does that not sound like the false teachers today? They're greedy dogs that can never have enough. They're ignorant. They're dumb dogs. They love to slumber. They all look to their own way. They cannot understand. Boy, that's an indictment against false teachers, ain't it? Folks, this is a serious thing. And the reason I sound angry and the reason I sound agitated and irritated is because this stuff goes on. It's prevalent. And people are following after it. And I've had people get mad at me for calling this stuff out. Oh, but I love listening to so-and-so. You know what? It doesn't matter if you love listening to that person. If they're false, they're false. Get away from them. They're going to lead you down the path to destruction. We saw the false prophet. We saw their false practice. But I want us to see their future punishment. Second Peter chapter 2, back to our text. Whose judgment now of long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Their damnation, their future judgment is not asleep. These men will be judged. I want to read to you one more place, and I'm fixing to be done. Jude, and Jude only has one chapter. Jude 
verses 3 through 7. I want you to listen. Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unaware, does that sound familiar, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Now how about that? are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's a mouthful. Let me tell you what Jude is saying. There are certain men crept in who are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. They're denying true doctrine. And Jude is saying, look, I will therefore put you in remembrance. I want you to remember this. Though you once knew this, See, the Lord judged, he gave examples in the past of how the Lord judged, he judged the angels that fell, the fallen angels, the demons. The Lord judged them. The Lord has judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He judged the land of Egypt. My friend, if he will judge them, trust me, he's going to judge these false teachers. You see, doctrine matters. And I want you to read it. I, I don't have the time. I wanted to go into like the whole entire chapter. But on your own time, I want you to read Second Peter chapter 2. And I want you to truly think about and truly consider what I've done my best to preach to you today. And I want to say this. I know the message sounded harsh and I know I sounded angry. Folks, there's a such thing as righteous indignation. There, there are certain things worth getting upset over, and this is one of them. We ought to earnestly contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We are to take a stand for the truth. Judge the false. Avoid the false. I want this to be a warning to you. I have love for each and every person that's listening to this, even if you disagree with what I've said. I want you to know I still got love for you, and I will pray for you. Hope you'll tune in next Friday for an all-new episode of the Overcomer Podcast. God bless you. This has been the Overcomer Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me, and I hope and I pray that you'll tune in next Friday for an all-new episode of the Overcomer Podcast. Remember, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us.